0: Welcome to everybody that's here. We're glad to have you worshiping with us at Cross Plains Christian Church. As we've been going through on Sunday morning, we're in the tenth week of a study called Believe and how we as the church are trying to figure out how do we better think and act and be like Jesus. How do I think like Jesus? Then how can I use that to change how I'm gonna act like Jesus? And then the final component as we put all that together is we're gonna explore more for the rest of this year of Then how do I be like Jesus? How do I act like Jesus? How do I look upon other people and see them how Jesus would see them? Because that's what Jesus did for me. He looked on me and he saw all my shortcomings and he said, you know what, I'm going to cover that because I love him and because I love you. And that's what Jesus did to every one of us. Then that's what everything that we're doing is really talking about together. And this week we're talking about eternity, We're talking about not just what happens in this life, but talking about what happens in the life that's to come. And we're talking about what the Bible tells us about what that's going to look like and what that is, and we're not going to answer all the questions because, well, I can't answer all the questions because God didn't answer everything, but he gave us what we needed to know, and there are some things that are rooted in God's word that he can tell us. And one of the biggest things, hopefully the takeaway for us, is what we believe about heaven, is going to affect how I live today. What I believe about eternity is going to affect, it's going to impact, it's going to have bearing on my life every day. Because, in light of what God has called for us to do and in light of the promises that God has given us and that we can read about in His Word, that's going to change the way that I choose to live my life. We can think about it this way it's the story of a minister that went to go visit one of the older men in his congregation. And he said to him, he said, you really should be thinking at this point in your life, you should be thinking about the hereafter. And the gentleman responded, he said, preacher, I think about that all the time. Anytime I walk into a room, I go, what am I in here after? Or I like the way that Christian author uh, Philip Yancey put it, he wrote it this way. He said, although most of us believe in afterlife, no one much talks about it. Christians believe that we will spend eternity in a splendid place called heaven. Isn't it a little bizarre that we simply ignore heaven acting as if it doesn't matter? So our question is, does heaven matter? And the answer to that is, of course heaven matters. And Our key question for today in thinking about eternity is, what happens next? What happens next? I'm not talking about lunch, and I'm not talking about next week, and I'm not talking about this summer. I've lost y'all. I mentioned lunch. I'm sorry, and whatever, okay? But we're talking about what happens next. What happens when there's no longer any breath in my lungs? What happens after that? And this key statement, and it's kind of long for us, but it's something that we do believe, and it's rooted in God's word is that I believe that there is a heaven and a hell and Jesus will return to judge all people and establish his eternal kingdom. We can know that for sure. Even if all the details we don't know or we can't agree on, we know that to be the case based on what God has taught us in his word, that I believe that there is a heaven and a hell and one day Jesus will return to judge all people and establish his eternal kingdom. So the question of what happens next, there are two options. As the Bible describes it, heaven is always being in the presence of God, directly with nothing in the way, nothing to distract us, nothing to take our attention away from God. And the worst part about hell isn't all those things that we draw if we drew a cartoon picture of hell or we characterized it. The worst part about that is God isn't there. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you felt like God wasn't there? Take that, magnify it to whatever power that you want, and it's exponentially what it's going to be like to be separated from God forever. It's not about that our enemy, the devil, the evil one, is going to be ruling over us, and he is the king of hell, because he's not. He is punished, just like anyone who doesn't come to a right relationship with Jesus will be punished when God comes and he makes his judgment. Because God is just, and he will always make the right decision, even though I don't. And God will always make the right decision, and he will always do what is fair and what is just and what is loving, even if how I understand what I think God's going to do is skewed. That's the great thing about God. He's so much bigger than me, even when my view of God, or if I misunderstand something in God's word. That doesn't change anything about how true God is and how loving God is, and it doesn't make God any less God or any less of who he is just because I don't understand it. Because a God that I could wrap my whole brain around wouldn't be that much of a God after all. 2 Peter chapter 3, that's what I said earlier, right? A reference? Great. So far, so good. I'm going to read it. Um, sometimes we break it up and read a couple verses at a time, but other times there is great value in us just sitting and listening and reading. So if you have your Bibles, look at them. If you want to follow along, they'll come up on the screen. If you just need to listen, listen. So we're going to read this whole chapter, Second Peter chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 1. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by the way of a reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the father's fell asleep, all things are continuing that they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact that heaven existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water water by the word of God. And that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. Verse 7. But by the same word the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, wishing that not any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and all the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in your lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for the hastening of the coming of the day of God? Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And Paul closes his letter this way in verse 14. Peter. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting on these as they do with other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Where do you start, (laughs) right? There's a lot in there just in that one chapter. The reminder that Peter gave us in the end, he says that grow in your grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. When, When I hear that word, I think about my maturity as a Christian, how I grow in what I already know and how I grow in how I act and grow in how... I want my behaviors and my actions and the way that I carry myself as a person and as a Christian to reflect what my heart believes to be true. That's why we talk about discipleship all the time because ultimately that is what we are called to do as the church. We're to be Disciples who make more disciples and better disciples. We want to come together and it's in our church logo and painted on the bus. We want to worship God and grow in his word and serve others. Those different aspects where we come together corporately to worship, that we grow and we grow in our time together. And we also grow in our one-on-one or in our group relationships with one another as Christians. And we grow in what we know and that we grow in what we go out and we do. And we also look for those opportunities to serve others. So I hear Disciple here in what Jesus is talking and what Paul and Peter and all the guys, names that are mentioned in here that I'm mixing around a little bit, okay, to make light of that. But growing in the knowledge of who we are and what God has created us to be. That's being a disciple and that's us growing. I also found it especially comforting. Did you know that the Bible says sometimes the Bible's hard to understand? Did you catch up on that, right? That's encouraging, right, because sometimes you read something and you go, what? What did that say? Let me go back and let me read that again. And I only bring that up because it happens, and you read it, and I don't want you to feel alone if that happens to you. And sometimes you might stop and say, I didn't get that. I need to just stop, and I need to read that again. And you might read it again, and guess what? It might not make any sense still, And then ask God, say, just stop and pray. Say, God, show me what this means. God, I know that this is your word and you put it here for a reason and I need to understand it. And maybe he'll grant you the clarity right then. And maybe you need to wait a while before you fully understand what that verse means. But don't hesitate to ask God to help you understand. Don't hesitate to ask others, Christians that you trust, to help you understand what God's word means. Because as Peter, okay, I'm going to speak slowly, who wrote this letter, referenced Paul, who wrote a lot of the books that are in our New Testament. He says, Paul is writing about the things that he knows to be true, and a lot of times what Paul says is hard to get. It makes me feel better that Peter said that, because sometimes we read some of these things and they're challenging. But I don't have to come to figure it out by myself. God never intended it to be that way. That's why it's important for us as Christians or anyone to come together as a church and to study God's word together so that corporately as we come together, God will help show us and teach us what he means here and also how we ultimately understand God's word regardless of what passage it is, is that God interprets it for us. God helps us to understand it, and God does that as God the Holy Spirit. As Christians, God has given us the gift of himself We have the Holy Spirit to help us understand God's word. We have the Holy Spirit that will help us to pray when we need to pray and give us the words to say. And also the Holy Spirit that will pray on our behalf when we have no idea what to say. And that's awesome. And that's how we come to understand God's word better. But I just wanted to throw out that note that was encouraging to me verse 16. It says, there's some things in them that are hard to understand, and sometimes those things that are hard to understand, people twist them and want to make them fit their paradigm or what they already think to be true. And that's where we as God's people that hold his word in a very high regard, we want to be guarded and make sure that I'm not reading in what I think I already know about God into his word but instead I want to draw out the meaning from God's word because you can come to it and you can read a verse and you can say, yeah, that justifies how I feel. (laughs) That backs up what I already think to be true. And in that, sometimes innocently or other times purposefully, we can twist God's word to make it say something it never said. And what we're always called to do is to read God's word and to draw out the meaning of what God said and what it means because it can't mean today what it never meant. Some fundamental things of Bible study I like to throw out there as often as I remember. Knowing what God's word has told us and really in what we're talking about eternity. If we go back in closer to the beginning of chapter 3 where Peter is writing and he's telling us why he's delivering this, why he's teaching these lessons. And really why we need to come together and read these passages. And really all of God's word is because it's easy for us to lose focus in this life. Let me spin that around. It's easy for me to lose focus in life. It is. Absolutely. It is very easy for me to become distracted. And to lose sight of what God has called for me as a Christian to do. And I think that's what Peter is getting at here, that he said that he's writing so that he'll stimulate wholesome thinking to stir up our minds so that we think about God. And Peter goes on to say that a time will come where people will question the validity of what we believe. Does that play out today? Where people question the validity, I said it better that time, of what we believe. And people look at us as Christians and they say, how in the world can you believe that hocus pocus? How can you believe that it's just a book that was written? You can't see, you can't prove. How how would you believe? How dare you hold God's standards on someone else? Why can't we just let people live their lives however they want? Because left to ourselves We destroy things. We do. We destroy because I'm selfish. We destroy because I become distracted and I lose sight of what's most important. And that's why God, who loves us and loves you, he doesn't ever want you to get hurt, ever, ever. And that's why God has put boundaries. That's why God has put rules, guardrails more than they are to keep us from falling off a cliff and from hurting ourselves or from hurting those around us or dying because God wants to protect us. And he knows that in our heart that there is sin that just lurks and it wants to stay there and we can't seem to get rid of it. It's kind of like the reason I've got a cough drop in my mouth right now. And when it's gone, I'm getting another one. It's in my pocket. I came prepared today. But I've got this little, when I breathe, I can just feel something right here in my chest. And it's not bad. And I'm thankful I didn't get this right after I had my hernia surgery a month ago because that would have not been good. Okay? It's not funny. It would not have been good. That's not funny. That's not fun. No. But I have this little, I have this little feel, And it's not there all the time when I breathe, but it's there most time, or when I take some breath, and I can feel it. you felt that before, right? Just And you just can't clear. And we think we have that inkling in us to do what we shouldn't do. And we can't seem to get rid of it. And sometimes we just, this cough drop isn't going to make this go away. It's not. It won't ever. It'll help for a little bit, but it's not going to make it go away. What God does is he gives us himself so that we can get rid of those things inside of us that we shouldn't have, that would cause us to do things that are harmful towards us. And that's why we need to make sure we know what God's word says and what it says about eternity. Okay. Some people have a hard time believing that God exists because if God existed and God is good, then why does happen? fill in the blank, right? Whatever it is. Bad things, people dying, diseases, God, maybe having healing in some circumstances and not in others. A lot of, for a lot of people that's a, that's a thing that they haven't been able to get over yet. And even honestly for some Christians and probably even for some of us here in this room, that's a hard thing for you to deal with. If God really loves, if God really cares, then why did I lose? the Bible tells us for us as Christians is that for me to die is gain because then I spend eternity in the presence of God. The hardest part for us when we lose people is not for those that go on that know Jesus. The hardest part is for us, those of us that are still here. But we know that as Christians, God tells us, and in some other passages that we're not going to read today, is that God doesn't want us to be uninformed about what happens. That we as Christians view what happens in the life to come as differently than the rest of the world. We still mourn because we miss, and our hearts break, and we're sad, and they should be, and that is okay. But we look at things differently than people who don't have hope. And what we have is hope through Jesus that we are promised in eternity. And as I said in the very beginning, that eternity is forever in the presence of God with nothing to get in the way. No devil to distract us. No bodies that will fail us. Nothing to get in the way of us being in the presence of God forever. So in light of that's what I feel God calling us to, and really, Peter said it here. He said, God does not want anyone to perish. No one. God doesn't want anyone to spend eternity separated from him. But we all know this. There are consequences to my actions. And the consequence of sin is death. And the only way that we could be healed from that death and the life to come is Jesus and his blood. None of us will escape Death in this lifetime. I can only think of two people in the Bible who escaped death. You could say Jesus did, but he died for three days. and But he did defeat it, and he came out. So there's three. We'll count Jesus, okay? But a few others, Enoch and Elijah, went up to heaven. The rest of us, we face death. Even the people that Jesus raised from the dead, guess what? They died again. They couldn't write a book, but they died again all of us, we have to figure out in light of what I believe about heaven. And I want to spend and we want to spend eternity with God. And we want our family and our loved ones and even our enemies to spend eternity with God because we don't want anyone to be separated from the love of God. Nobody. We're to look at other people. How? How God looks at them. And what we're told here in Second Peter 3 is that God doesn't want anyone to perish. Now, sometimes we might think, God, this world has just gone to and just come back and redeem it, and he will. And we might think that God is being slow to fulfill his promise. And that's why I really like what Peter said here. I'm gonna go back in and I'm gonna read it again. Second Peter 3 is verse 9. But the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, so that each should reach repentance. Why hasn't Jesus returned to claim the church yet? Because in God's infinite grace and love and mercy, he is extending the opportunity for more people to become a part of his kingdom. And how is that going to happen? Through us. Through us, through God working in us as the church, in the things that we do here, in the way that we live and we prioritize our lives outside of this place, other people are going to come to know Jesus because of you. And that's why Jesus hasn't returned yet to claim us, because he doesn't want anyone to perish. Now, at some point, that is going to end. And there will be no second chances. There will be another, no, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. No. When Jesus returns, that's it. When the day of judgment comes, we will either be covered by the blood of Jesus or we will not. That decision isn't mine, it's not yours. It's yours to make for yourself. But it's God and Jesus, they make that decision. But time is running out. We know that we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know how long we're going to live or how long this world's going to last. But what we're called to do is live our lives today with eternity in mind. That we want ourselves and our family and our loved ones and everyone to spend eternity in the presence of God, not separated from him. So the way that we live our life matters. And we can't just ignore what God said to be true. You, well, you can. But that doesn't make it any less true. That would be just like me trying to ignore the laws of gravity. I say gravity doesn't exist. Don't care doesn't exist. I'm going to live my life as if those rules do not apply to me because it's just made up. Well, what's going to happen? I'm going to fall down and eventually I'm going to get hurt. It doesn't matter if I say that it's not true. It doesn't change the fact that it is. And that's how the world operates. In the same way it's true. If people claim that there is no God, it doesn't mean that there is no God. It just means that he, they haven't figured it out yet. And we're hopefully, probably, maybe even all of us sit, is that we figured out that there is a God, even when we're struggling through our faith. And we're trying to determine, how do I live my life? that's reflective of that truth. One of the other things that Peter mentions here is he talks about time and how God views time. I'll illustrate it this way. One day a man was just kind of taking it easy, laying down, looking up at the clouds and looking at the different shapes that were there, using his imagination, and he decided he was going to have a conversation with God. God, he said, how long is a million years? God answered, from my frame of reference, it's about a minute. The man asked, God, how much is a million dollars? He said, well, to me, it's a penny. And then the man said, hey, God, can I have a penny? He said, yeah, (laughs) in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever wondered about how God goes about making his decisions? Our God is a big God, and he can handle your questions. God can handle your doubt. God can handle your struggles with your faith. And there's really nothing wrong with having doubt in your faith. Really where the problem comes is with unexpressed doubt. We've got to be able to express that to God and express that to others who hopefully you have those Christians in your life that are more mature in their faith than you are so that you can express those things to them and they can help you. That like God can use them to minister to you and to help you understand. One of the best things that I really love about God is that I can't understand everything about God. Now, he is so big and so kind and so marvelous and so wonderful that I'm not going to ever wrap my head all the way around God and what he has done. But God is not slow in keeping his promise. The God allows us breath in our lungs today, even if it's a little clouded or coffee or has to be medicated. Because he has us here for a purpose, to live our lives today in light of eternity. Because time, as we know it now, isn't going to exist any longer. For us to express the idea of eternity, it's really hard to put to words. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around that. But as I kind of used the, the illustration earlier, if you've ever felt like there was a moment in time where you felt like God wasn't there. That can feel like an eternity. It absolutely can. I'm going to read from Psalm chapter 90, starting in verse 1. Really what Peter told us here about God and how God views time and his understanding. He wasn't making it up. He was drawing the truth and the things that he knew from Scripture. So a great example for us to do the same since he referenced it and he was talking about it in the closing of his letter that we call 2 Peter chapter 3, I'm going to go back and read this. Psalm chapter 90, starting in verse 1. <coughs> A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or Ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, "Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your, is in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night." You sweep them the way as with a flood. They are like a dream, like a grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and it is renewed. In the evening, it fades and it withers. God's perspective of time is different than ours. We might think or feel like he's delaying, but he's not. He's doing it for a purpose so that his grace can be extended to others. And he wants to use us as the church. That's why that's our mission. That should be our white hot focus to reach others for Jesus so that they can come and they can spend eternity not just with God but with us in the presence of God, free and clear of all the troubles of this lifetime. The Bible says it in so many other places, that God has a desire that everyone will come to repentance. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 echoes this idea that God's kindness, tolerance, and patience leads him to giving us a chance to repent and to turn back to God, but at some point that window is going to be closed and there are no other opportunities for us. So I want to live my life today in view of eternity.